Hello, In the Water Podcast. It's your humble host, Russell. Because I apparently do this every fucking day now. So, I have rerouted. You know, I'm not going to be doing the Million Dollar Highway anymore. I talked to my lady friend today, and she implored me that I should go on the originally planned route of Arizona and Utah and Idaho because I don't know she implored me she kind of talked some sense into me and and I'm gonna do that so that's really as far as I'm gonna go into that I suppose but uh yeah so I, I just came back from the Chihuahuan Desert White Sands it was fucking awesome <clears throat> Very beautiful out in the desert. Very beautiful. And I'm on my way now to Sedona, Arizona. (coughs) God, I hate that I fucking clear my throat so much. But I don't have any water. It's in the truck. Um, So, (coughs) basically, I want to talk about the void. Right? Because, in some way that's what this is. This is the void. And I mentioned Jordan Peterson on a previous podcast. And one of the things, there's there's this thing, it's like called Akira the Don. And it's like this DJ, this badass DJ who takes like motivational people like Joe Rogan or Terrence McKenna or Jocko Willink or Jordan Peterson. And he makes like these like very motivational and inspirational and intellectually crafted like like conversations that are also like played with music so it's awesome super awesome if you don't know who Akira the Don is let's blow him up he's awesome it's called Meaning Wave Um, Akira the Don but anyway uh, and there's this one of that of Jordan Peterson it's called That's God, right? And in that segment, in that <clears throat> that song or that collection of, you know, music and, and, and intellectual, uh, like, preaching, you know, or, what is it? People tell me about it. Like an intellectual lecture, right? So, in that... there's this one called That's God and he talks about I I recommend you listen to it but at at one point in it he says that God is the call and the response to the eternal call to adventure right so in some sense I'm in like God as I've talked about like you are life you know you are God and in some sense you are What is being called to the unknown and the void, and what is calling, right? That's God. So, and this is something that I was called to, I was beckoned to, like, within myself, from the void, from that unknown origin, like that, the the source of which that beckons me is of unknown origin. It's the void. It comes from within but it also comes from without. It's very interesting. 
many different forms of voids. I would well. Excuse me. There's many different forms of <clears throat> how we view the void. Right? Because the void. People think that space is nothing. Right? As the great Alan Watts said as well. People think that space is nothing. And <clears throat> it's the lack of things. And that is true. But space is also what withholds all the things within it. And so space is not empty, it is not void, it is full, right? It's like Lao Tzu, um, the brilliant Chinese philosopher who wrote the, the Tao Te Ching. The Tao Te Ching, which is the Tao, which is something else, some other uh, religious and psychological, uh, and um, what's the word? I just said it. I always do that on this podcast where I draw planks. That never happens unless I'm recording. Um, it is a philosophical um, contemplative and author. <clears throat> and he says in the Tao Te Ching that the pot, the pot is worthwhile because of the space, the empty space within it. Right, and that the empty space within the pot, like the form that limits you, is also what what gives you meaning, what what creates you. Right, so it's like the void itself isn't just nothing; it is <clears throat> the panoply of all possibility. It is the panoply of everything outside of your knowledge, everything that escapes your knowledge and understanding is the void. And the void beckons us. It beckons us. Like, there's this beautiful idea. <clears throat> it's called the call to the void. Which, I love that. And there's not really much on the idea. But it's basically like, like when you're standing on like a tall building or like a cliff and you get like the sudden urge to jump. Right? Like something inside of you just like screams, jump! Right? Or like a, the one that I experience more often or than not is like when I'm driving and I see somebody coming on the lane, oncoming, and like the call to the void is just like, just merge into the other lane and crash into them. And that's the call to the void, which it's almost like death itself is beckoning us because death is the completeness of life. Because as I said on my last podcast, there is no end. Life is all there is because death is a part of life. But it is life in its most complete and absolute form. Death is absolute. Death is as absolute as life. It is a, a dichotomy. It's the balances. You know? So, the void beckons us. The void beckons us. And <clears throat> within your bubble of periphery of experience, you know, you have options and choices to make in those moments, and you can affect the void, but the void, it, it, like I've said in previous podcasts as well, the void will meet you one day, it'll meet you eventually, hold on one second, so, 
with that, there is some kind of deeper metaphysical reality, or so that it appears, that that is just underneath the surface of what we can see and feel. I wouldn't say feel, because you can kind of feel it. You feel it, but you can't see it. You can't hear it. Not with your ears. You hear it with the feelings inside of you. Which is kind of like psychedelic experiences in some sense. You know, and that's a totally, total different track of beings, psychedelics. But the void itself is, it's almost like your absolute enlightened conscious awareness beckoning you. It's beckoning to its limited self, its limited form. Because it's almost like the idea of God, right? Like the idea of God is that God created, like God and Jesus, right? God created himself and bound himself in human form to have human limitation, right? And that is Jesus would be symbolically representative of your, of the the divine absoluteness limited in, in mortal and physiological form, right? And if what I've talked about in the past, as far as like the higher mind goes, or like the void being like your absolute, fully enlightened self, beckoning you, beckoning to its limited self, and kind of guiding its limited self in some sense. That is almost exactly the same idea as God and Jesus. And this is this is what I've talked about before where I say that I like to use religious language and look at it through a symbolic lens. I like to look at things symbolically. How it might... Because I think, in my opinion, religion is... Um, religion is a metaphorical and allegorical tool. It is a symbolic allegory for the description of human the human experience and the human condition. I think that that's what religious language is. It is almost like a catalog and an allegory for trying to understand and catalog the human experience and the human condition in a symbolic and metaphorical sense. That's what I think religious language is and what religious text attempts to do. Right? So it's 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 beneficial to look at things in our lives like the void for me right now being in this bubble as being something similar to you know, or like, you know, it being the void is you in some radically idealistic metaphysical way, right? Because it's like your highest enlightened form disembodied and it's able to reach through what we consider time and space, which is really just us inside our head and it can reach into you and, and beckon Right? And, and that's, that is 
almost the exact same thing as God and Jesus. And so the void, I don't think the void should just be looked at as emptiness or nothingness. It seems to me <clears throat> that the void is what encapsulates everything. It's what encapsulates all things, all possibility. Which is where, like, in the Tao Te Ching, that's the Tao. The Tao is all things. It loves and nourishes everything. It does not lord it over them. <clears throat> because it is everything. Why would it lord itself over itself? You know? <clears throat> so, there's a lot of stuff that I would like to get into about this. <clears throat> when I'm not on the road and I'm able to actually have quotes and, and cause like I don't gen, I want to generally be off the cuff, but I also want to start to be able to implement like other quotes and other context so that I can kind of be a little bit more engaged with, with this. This is basically just off the cuff out of the noodle, you know, which is like, I know the stuff, but it's like, it's not verbatim and I don't want to say shit that's not verbatim, if, especially if it's not mine. Like, I would like to give credit where credit's due, you know? And maybe me and, and these other contemplatives can kind of, <clears throat> or I can at least, buttress my conclusions and my perspectives and my perceptions off of things that they experienced as well. Because that's all we're doing. All we're doing is just corroborating. We're just corroborating experience. That's all this is. <clears throat> I don't have any water. It sucks. I know. I should probably drink more water when I'm on this podcast and less coffee. You know, so I don't have that fucking dry throat. I guess it doesn't help that I'm out in the desert and it's very sandy and, and dusty everywhere. My car is a fucking dusty mess. It's a dusty mess. But it's beautiful. I like, I named my car Horse, right? Because it's like my horse. It's like my steed. You take care of your horse. And your horse takes you places. It takes care of you. And this car, I hope that I get to keep it. I really do. I really do. <clears throat> but how do we deal with our idea, our ideas about the void? Because oftentimes, like I've been laying in bed, especially when I was living in my cave. I, I like to call my last apartment the cave because it was like a cave. Seriously, like there was two windows in the entire apartment, and they were facing the opposite direction from the sun most of the day. Like, after noon, after 12 o'clock, like, the sun was above my apartment, and then every hour after, it just got darker and darker in my apartment. Like, light only got in by, like, a few feet. After, like, a few feet of the entrances, it was just, boom, dark, artificial light. So I called it the cave. And when I was living in that routine, 9 to 5, unsatisfied job, unsatisfied apartment... You know, I would often lay in bed and just think about, like, the time that I'm wasting. The time that I'm never going to get back. And I would think about life in this way where it's like, I'm already 25. I'm already 26. You know, like, I'm basically 30. I'm 14 years from 40. Like, and when you start to, like, look at life and see life in that way, like, you fucking very, very quickly freak yourself out. So, 
And I would often, when I started thinking like that, I would think about death. I mean, I think about dying and how life really isn't that long. It's really not. So, when I would think about it, I would... It's something that's foreign to us. At least while we're living and perceptual. Because at least to some degree we have control. We have control, and even if we don't have control, we have ways of forging and fabricating artificial control, right? Like, there's this person in my life that didn't really want me to go. Like, or, or like, was supportive of me going, but like, when I came back the first time, they were like, oh, you're gonna stay. And I'm like, no, I'm going back out. And they're like, oh, what the fuck? And it's like, that is something and then like when I'm out and I'm on the trip they're like I'm glad you did this and it's like in some sense that is their lack of control in the situation and their way of pining and creating artificial control over the situation so that they can feel okay because it's like I accept it I'm happy about it so that's my control because I can control that whereas like if you gave them actual control over it they probably wouldn't let me do it. And so, thinking about death, something that is absolutely inevitable, something that is absolute, you know, it's already real. It already exists. If I think there's two things that exist already, it's my birth and my death. They're already real. How it'll come to pass, I mean, then you can get into, like, determinism, I don't know if, if there is some carved out path that our life, like fate, I don't know about fate. I think that death might be something that is malleable, just like life. Like the potential ways for you to die is like, the, the potential possibilities for the way that you're going to die might be astronomical. There might be millions or billions or trillions of ways that you actually die. But only one happens. Only one gets solidified. Right? So. But death will meet you. Death is real. It's already real. It's already. It already exists. Because you're alive. And, you're, and you were born. You know? So. It's interesting why we have these fears. Why we have the fear of the lack of control. You know, one day I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about, like, I, I was listening to this YouTube channel, and, like, he, he would always say, like, when, when people would, like, pass away in the story or something, he would say, like, may their soul live in everlasting peace or something, or maybe, may they rest in everlasting peace. And I thought about that, and I'm like, at what point, if you are consciously aware of everlasting peace and no turbulence, no displacement, just absolute peace. At what point would that be hell? At what point would that be torture? Right? <clears throat> and so I was thinking about being in that <clears throat> eternal peace, that eternal equilibrium of non-displacement and non-turbulence 
and if you're consciously aware of it, like it, eternity wouldn't be as long as we think eternity is, right? But if life is two flashes between, or if life is a flash between two eternal darknesses, right? Then what I came from is what I'm going back into. Like when you try to think about like before you were born, I think that this is crazy because this is a void right here. When you try to think about like before you were born, it's really strange how like in my experience, it feels like nothing existed until I did, right? But like now that I'm here, I know that at least 14 billion years and this entire kiliocosm of like the cosmic entity that is infinite existed before I was born. And it felt like 14 billion years was one snap. It was, the, it was that fast. Bam, one second. I was here. It was like all of eternity was one second. And then we're going to die again and we're going to go back into that eternal peace, that eternal non-displacement and non-turbulence. And boom, eternity is going to be one second. And I was thinking about that and I'm like, at some point, that's what I really am. I really am that void. I am that thing that I came out of. I am that absolute void, that peace, that non, that place of non-displacement and non-turbulence. And to think about it from that perspective, like I am both of those two voids, but I'm also this monkey for a hundred years, right? And it's like, if I've already existed in some, you know, ether of non-displacement for eternity, and then I became a monkey, and I'm a monkey for 26 years, how foolish is it to be afraid of becoming something that I already was for eternity? And that even when I go back into it after having been a monkey, I will, after 26 years, like, any time after 26 years after I die, I will have been that void longer than I was a monkey. So, how foolish and ignorant of a position, it, like literally ignorant, not like, like in the way that we usually use ignorant, but like lack of knowledge. How ignorant of a position is it to take to be afraid of something that I will be absolutely longer than this thing. Why am I clinging to this thing? That's what I really am. I'm going to be that thing for two eternities. Not 26 years. Not 70 years. I'm going to be the two eternal darknesses. Not the flash in between it. So... I find that interesting. I find that very interesting to think about that.
it kind of is always reminding us, like, this is what you really are. This is what will be consumed you. This is what you will become again. Because it is again. It's not for the first time. And so, in what I'm doing now, it's almost like the closest, as a monkey, that I will be to that form of myself that is the eternal non-displacement. It's like this is the closest thing because I'm in the void. In the void, I'm surrounded by strangers. I'm surrounded by strange environments. Everything around me is absolutely brand new. It's the void. Not to mention, it's like even idealistically or like in conversation, like the the ability for the ability for relatability to like relate to people that I know about this is almost zero. It's almost zero. So it's like not only is it like on in concept non-relatable, but even in practical in practice and in in experience it's not relatable because I've never done anything that is nearly relatable to this. So I'm starting to hear a rattle from my uh, driver tire. It's like a little bell. That's what it sounds like. It's like a tick. Tick, 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 tick. tick. Which is no good. I mean, I'll be okay. I mean, I did an oil change earlier in Texas. If I really need to, like, I can, I can get work done my car, but I'm gonna, I'm trying to make it all the way home before I have to do anything to it, because who would want to put another 2,500 miles on a brand new car? <coughs> Excuse me. So, oh, Horace, just hold it together for 2,500 more miles. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know take this podcast from here as far as like this episode goes <clears throat> all my all my podcasts have been an hour long and I would hate to do like a 30 minute one but I would like to be kind of touch on this subject when I have more information when I have more accessibility to like quotes and references and other things that I'm talking about because there are some aspects of my concepts and my ideas that are, are like the, the conception of it happening in my mind happened from other people, you know, like original thought. A lot of people think that they think for themselves, as I said in the last podcast, I'd like to think that I do it very pretty well, but I recognize that my thoughts and decisions are dictated by the the constraint of social um, social like the social dynamic the social fabric because it's like things that people have said to me have affected the way that I've responded it's affected the way that I've kind of conceived certain ideas and so it's like we like to think that we're independent from all other forms of influence, but we actually are very influenceable in 
ways that we don't generally give credit. And so I would like to be able to kind of convey some of the references and tools that I've mentioned in this podcast today in future episodes, but I would also like to reference some of my own quotes and ideas that I've came to and written down because it can kind of allow me to touch base on like deeper into those ideas than I could in the quote, you know, or like a, a kind of articulate it in a more of a story format than just like three lines, you know, so I guess I will do a 30 minute podcast today, I'll do a, I'll do a short because I kind of touched base on everything that I wanted to talk about and we're hitting the 30 minute mark and that's, why not, why not spruce it up a little bit, we'll see, we'll see how that works out, so I guess, I guess we should just see. We should just see. So, until next time, my lovely podcast listeners.